Black Coffee is a podcast hosted by Kari Frazier and Frida Sampson Weekly. Weekly, Frida and Kari welcome guests to discuss the rich history of Black leadership, entrepreneurship, artistry, and social justice. All right, Detroit is Different Podcast Studios. Once again, I'm here with somebody in the throes of spring, and he just brought up that it's spring break for kids in school. Um, and uh, I haven't even thought about that in forever because I don't have any little, uh, I don't have any children, and I ain't been in school in a long time. As you can see, I ain't been in school in a long time. I, I, I have not, I have not been in, in class in a long time. But this man is um, someone that is tied to education in in a couple layers. Uh, Detroit. Uh, school board uh, representative uh, at one point in time. And also, we know him best because of Northland Roller Rink. I'm going to say the guy has uh, entertained so many people over the decades over there. Um, when we think about the families, the fun, and all of the experiences, all the phone numbers that uh, I did get that were correct from young ladies, and all the phone numbers I didn't get from young ladies, <laughs> Northland Roller Rink holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts. Mr. Herman Davis, how are you today? Fantastic. Can't complain. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's good to know. That's good to know. So we start these Detroit is different stories. And uh, you're someone I've been bumping into at a lot of community meetings. And I've seen you around the community, you know, just going back to the business. Uh, one of the few people that I've actually seen make a transition from entrepreneurship and business into a lot of community work. And you were doing actually a lot of community work even when you had the business because you opened up the doors of Northland to the community. I can't tell you how many fundraiser tickets that I had to buy where it's like, man, seriously, you know, when you're young, paying $15 for roller skate tickets is, is high, but, you know, always for a good cause, as they say. But over and beyond that, Let's get into your story, your life story, um, your family uh, and your family in the city of Detroit. Uh, when did your family come to the city of Detroit and why did your family come to the city of Detroit? Well, I've lived. I was born and born and raised most of my life here in Detroit. OK. Uh, most of my family is Detroiters. So your parents. So you're a first. So are you a first generation or a second? Gen Were your parents born here? No, my parents are from Tennessee. Where at in Tennessee? Tennessee, Memphis, and Henderson hmm. area. Hmm. And uh, my dad came here to Detroit when the Ford Motor Plant was putting out those cars. Okay. So they were hiring folks. And so my dad came and started work for Ford Motor Company. Okay. Whenabouts was that? That was back in, ooh, back in the, back in the, oh, had to be in the 30s. Okay, so the 1930s. So he was here. Late 30s. Okay, like late, late 30s. 30s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my family or my, my grandfather came around here in this house we're sitting in around in that era too. Uh, when were you, were you born soon after? Uh, how, how And then uh, do you have brothers and sisters that were born here? Like who was the first kid born in Detroit? First kid born in Detroit? Let's see. I have a family... Five brothers and four sisters. That's wow, nine that's, of us. That's a, Yeah, I was going to say, you guys were like, uh, you all can run a full-court basketball. <laughs> so that's a basketball team. You all can take diamond for real and do defense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, so are you the oldest, youngest, in the middle? What's, what's up? I'm the second to the youngest. I have one okay. sister that's under me. 
Okay. And she's living in Hawaii now. She bought her place in Hawaii two years ago. Ain't that something? Yeah. So, so nine brothers and sisters were were any born in Tennessee or were every, was everybody born here in Detroit? Uh, two of my two of my brothers were born in Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. All right. And everybody else born in the city of Detroit. Born in the city of Detroiters. Ain't that something? So it was like when they say, people just knew. It was like, ah, Davis clan over there. You all had to (laughs) deal with a whole lot. So what was it it like growing up in a family... with uh with uh that was so big what was it like and you were like the youngest basically yeah i i enjoyed it mm-hmm. i enjoyed it the the one good part about it i didn't i didn't i didn't have to worry about anybody messing with me I, <laughs> my uh, brothers always had my back <laughs> hey, ain't that something so brothers having your back what neighborhood uh do you remember most growing up well let's see we were for a long time uh we were on just off of Mac Avenue hmm. near because I was going to uh, Eastern High School. Okay. So we lived there on near Mac Avenue, about five or six blocks from from Eastern High School. Okay. What was it like? It was everything was fine. Okay. Do you remember like the stores, uh, the people? Like, what are some of the things that stood out when you were a kid over there off Mac? Because that's back in the day, Mac, most definitely. Because you even mentioned Eastern High School. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, back in the day, you know, I, I would uh, the Chronicle, Michigan Chronicle. I used to pedal the Michigan Chronicle into into the bars. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So. <laughs> So uh, when you say that, like you would, they'd actually allow you to step into like the bars or barbershops or whatever, and you would be able to sell the papers. Right. I, I had a, I always, all through my life, I've had a, a good, uh, I've been taught how to have customer service hmm. and to, and to relate to people. Mm-hmm. So when I say things, I say it in a manner where it's, it grasps, and then they want, them, they want to pull me in with them. Okay. So it's it's that it's that thing that I've throughout my life, and with the people that I have have associated with, it has given me that customer service element that that works. Okay. And you mentioned the Michigan Chronicle. The Michigan Chronicle, one of the longest running African American uh, newspapers uh, in in the world but uh definitely a staple here in and around detroit uh how did you get the route because actually my first job was a paper route too but how did you get the route like who told you that you could go here and how did everything work well you know it's it's even as a kid Mm -hmm. i always learned as a kid to network Mm -hmm. network with other people and you find some other people that's doing it and you say how'd you get in that Mm -hmm. and so you get steered in the right direction and uh, hey, that always always works. What was the what was the system like? Was it co-signment or was it like one of those things where you had to buy the paper for a certain amount of money and then you made your profit off of the papers you sold? Like, how, what was the system? No, they would give you a certain number of papers, mm-hmm. and you go out and market those papers, and you bring back so much money. So it was co-signment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that so technically your uh your first day could be your last day. You just never <laughs> could come back. <laughs> you just never would. Come right. Back. Right. 
like, hey man, what happened to Ed over there? <laughs> he ain't here no more. Mm-hmm. How long did you do that? I did that for quite a while, quite a while until I, uh, as I, as I got more into high school, mm-hmm. I uh, was lucky enough. Friends of mine in networking with them, they had they got me associated with the uh, bowling alley on Woodward, hmm. which at that time uh, it was called. Uh, I can't even think of the name of it now. But anyway, that's Woodward, north of uh, Seven Mile there. Okay, Woodward Seven Mile. You mean the the bowling alley? What is that called right now? Because it still exists. Yeah, still across there. from uh, the basically kind of across from the cemetery, sort of. Right. So in yeah. Palmer Park. Uh huh. What is that? I, I forget. The I name can't of it. think of the name of it. There. Okay. Uh, who who were the owners? The owners were uh, some uh, uh, a Jewish family, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my friends got me networking with the Jewish family. Mm-hmm. By getting me to go out to their house and help clean up around their house on occasion. Okay. So they liked my work and they said, hey, uh, why don't you come work for us out at the bowling alley? Mm-hmm. Because at that time they were getting ready to trans transition into the automatic pin spotters. They were changing from the pin setter to the automatic pin. Sp- All right, you, you're taking me back right here. Yeah, you 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 you're going so back in the day at a bowling alley, the pin setter it would be like a person that would walk from lane to lane to lane to set back up set the, back up the, the bowling pins. pins. That's right. Oh man, so automation took that guy's right. job out a long time ago. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened is they said, "Hey, you, we think we want to send you to school and have you be one of our uh, mechanics wow. on our machines that we're bringing in." Huh. So they sent me to school in Ohio. And showed me how to do the repairs on it and whatnot. And mm-hmm. hey, I did that until after I graduated from high school. Okay. What was the, uh, do you remember the family's name? I can't recall it right now. It's, like I said, that's been a while. <laughs> okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, some days ago. So that was already a competitive advantage that they they invested in you. And that's that's a double invest just uh, in, in hiring someone because it's you're hiring the person and already making the investment in paying them. But you're also making the investment in in them garnering the education and the training. Renaissance that, Bowl. Yes. Renaissance Bowl. That's Renaissance so, Bowl. So it was Renaissance Bowl then too. No, it was, that was another name to it. Okay. Okay. That was... Well, I guess the people that finally bought it from them changed the name, name to Renaissance. Yes. So, but that's a heck of an investment. They they paid for the education, they paid you, and they they've already invested a whole lot in you. It's like it's hard to as I tell people, hiring people is very difficult because you're you're investing a lot of time and energy and effort getting the person even to a point where you can maybe make a profit working with them. They had a Big operation there. They had 70 lanes, mind you. And they pretty much had activities going on all the time there. They really knew how to operate it. Okay, so back in the day, they had 70 lanes with 70 different... So they had pin setters doing that. That's a lot of pin setters. Yeah, they had... (laughs) Yeah, so you... They knew how to move it. You couldn't be... Yeah, you couldn't be out of shape (laughs) setting up those... (laughs) A couple times, it's like... 
And then also like, okay, how how about keeping score? How did people just eyeball it to keep score back in the day? Because now I look at the machine. Well, they did it by hand. Oh, they just did it by hand, right? Okay. And see, the good part about what the what the people that worked there liked about it is they allowed all the workers to come in and bowl free. Okay. And they could bring some of their family members too mm. and get to bowl free. Okay, so are you a good bowler? Hey, I used to be. Okay, okay. I can used to used to be able to bowl that three hundred bowls sometime. <laughs> ain't that something? Ain't that something? So at one point in time, you were you were you were you were on it. Yeah, okay. because I was able to to uh, what do they call it drill my own ball and mm-hmm. get the right weight that I wanted that made me feel comfortable throwing, and it just felt good. Okay. Yeah. It okay. Was good. I enjoyed it. Okay, so all throughout high school, what high school did you go to? Eastern High School. That you went to Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. Okay. Eastern High School. That's where I graduated from. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Didn't uh didn't the ice didn't George Gerben go to Eastern? Gerben, 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 Gerben. The Ice Man. The oh, basketball yeah. player. Yeah. Did he go to Eastern? Yeah. That's what he I was, thought. All right. Yes he did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So So after Eastern. What was uh well really I can I can even talk a little bit more about family too. Your dad, what was your dad like? Um did he did he end up working in the plant and then just retire from the plant? Did he do something else? What what was he into? That's pretty much what he did. He re- he after so long he retired from the plant. Mm-hmm. And uh he was he was the kind of person he liked to walk a lot because he was used to walking in in the country. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> because his family his dad and they were country farmers and whatnot there in Tennessee. Did you go so, back to Tennessee often as a child? Not much. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, we had a family reunion mm-hmm. that from around the country, family would come in on certain, generally during the 4th of July holiday season, mm-hmm. would have some family reunion there or in other cities throughout okay. the country. Yeah, so it would, we enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Your mom. What did your mom do? She was a mom with nine kids. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. I guess having a, having nine kids. Is, but what else was she into other than raising you guys? That was pretty much what she, she liked to do. Uh, Broderie. Mm-hmm. She. Oh, like, okay. Because she liked to make things for the kids. <laughs> okay. Cool. Was she good? Was she good at what she and did she with stitching good. and everything? Yeah, she was good. Yeah. Did she teach you anything? Do you know how to sew and all no, of that? No, no, no. My dad kept me busy. Okay. Yeah, I, I, he kept me. You want to go, son? I'm, I'm okay. I'm coming. <laughs> okay. And what? Would and he you guys was a be fast doing? walker too. So he, you guys kept would just me be walking, move. huh? You guys would just be walking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is. A, I guess that is a smart thing to do. It's like, yes, so your indeed. brothers got to do chores, but because you because you the youngest, you get to walk with your dad. Right. That's a that's a competitive <laughs> advantage that you had being a kid. <laughs> Everybody else is like, why he got it. It's crazy. <laughs> and see that we also we lived in Gary, Indiana, for a few years. Mm-hmm. See what my dad wanted to move back to Tennessee at one point in time, hmm. but my, but my mom didn't want to right. go Mm-mm. to Tennessee. Mm-mm. So yeah, I feel that they they we had relatives in Gary, so they stopped in Gary. <laughs> okay, and he bought a house there with acres and. He started a farm. He had, oh, he had some. He had about twenty acres there. Wow! 
and he was what was he growing he was growing everything corn beans (laughs) potatoes Uh and you name it (laughs) okay and guess what Family had to go out there too, and <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, he was, and this was was this before you were born, or this was no, that uh, was what that was doing. Okay, yeah. so you were out there on that farm too. I used to go to Roosevelt High, and that's where Jackson Five went too. Okay, and uh, and they, my brother, they were the he lives next door to him. Mm-hmm. So Roosevelt High was the high school that uh, black was, people went to and get yeah, and close yeah, close to us, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, had to walk about a mile to school. <laughs> okay. But walk was, a mile to school. Yeah, about a mile to school. Wow, yeah. man. <laughs> wow. Whew. 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 It snows in Gary, Indiana. I'd have had, a, I'd have had a, a couple of days stopping, stopping off. But I guess it was good for me. It was good for me getting that, getting that good. Good mm-hmm. exercise. What was uh What was Gary, Indiana like compared to Detroit? And could they tell you guys were different? Uh, Gary, Indiana at that time was okay. Okay. Because it had all the steel mills going mm-hmm. and a lot of industry, mm-hmm. so it was quite quite active with people constantly coming in and getting jobs and and buying homes and mm-hmm. so the city was really doing things then okay and did did the other kids tell that all you guys were from detroit like could they just interact and say you guys aren't from gary (laughs) we we kept kept pretty uh pretty good relationship with the people okay and uh communicated very well and uh now i gotta ask this question too because it's so close to chicago did you become a bears fan who did you become a Chicago Bears fan when you went to Gary, Indiana? Uh, I was I was in the music. Okay, I was a trumpet player, hmm. and uh, so most of my time was spent in the line of doing things in the music. Hmm. And uh, because there were a lot of artists that recorded there in Gary too. Oh, okay, and. Uh, so I was mostly into the music stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you're talking about trumpet. Who taught you how to play the trumpet? I learned that in school, as a matter of fact. Oh, so teachers and taught you how to play. Teachers taught me, and then I would join different groups mm-hmm. and play that. Play that. I was trump player. I was playing it, too. Okay. I enjoyed it. Okay. All right. What what type of, uh, was it, were you playing more, like, um, up-tempo were you playing R&B? Were you playing jazz? Were you playing gospel? What What were you playing? Uh, R&B and jazz and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I, you know, you, I, I like Satchmo's the way. <laughs> okay. Yes, Satchmo, uh, also known as Louis Armstrong. Yes, uh, one of the one of the greatest. Yes, uh, one of the greatest. But this would have been probably. I'd assume you'd have probably looked at Dizzy Gillespie as well because yeah, Dizzy both, yeah. at the time was yeah. like, you know, like the 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 continuation of everything that everything that Satchmo was doing, and and that was also the era where a lot of horn players. It's weird. It's like John Coltrane, Dizzy Gillespie. Um, were like the last two I think that like just stand out as they just do one thing whereas now guys will do the clarinet the saxophone the trumpet the trombone like 
all the guys I know, they'll 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 bounce around from a lot of the win in brass. And see, the the thing that that cut off my music, I I went to California, and I was going to. I was enrolled in Fresno City College. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I'm going to get my degree. So my, my brother lived in Fresno, so I mm. went out there and lived with him while I was going to Fresno. But what I failed to do, I failed to let the draft board know that I was in California. Mm. So I was at that age where, and that uh, crisis came up, and uh they were drafting a lot of people, mm-hmm. and the Vietnam. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I got a letter. Well, my parents got a letter. They say you got a letter here, and I told them open it, and they said you've been drafted. <laughs> wow. All right. So what? Uh, so did you serve? I served two years. Yeah. You served two years. Two and did years. You, did you? Uh, what did you do in Vietnam? Well, the good thing about it was when I, I did my basic training at Fort Lewis, Washington. and Where's Fort Lewis, Washington? Fort Lewis. Fort Lewis is in Washington. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I did my basic training in California. Okay. And after basic training, uh, they assigned me to, uh, because I was doing music, mm-hmm. they assigned me to the uh, Army Band. Wow. Yeah. So the Army Band, I got on that for a minute. Mm -hmm. And then they allowed me the choice of going to to, uh, school for... uh, For music? No, not music. It was in Indiana. They had a school there for company clerks and doing doing all the things for the for the captains and the colonels and the generals and whatnot. It's so almost like an administrative assistant. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, so I said, yeah, I'd like to do that. Mm-hmm. And good thing I graduated from the school and and that reminds me back in the day, sitting there in class, I might have been forty on graduation day, forty people graduating. And that was the day they were assigning you. Some were going overseas to Vietnam or to other countries and whatnot. And I said, I hope I don't have to go. I said that to myself. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky. Mm. They assigned me to to uh, Fort Lewis, Washington. Mm-hmm. And I said, yay. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. I definitely feel you on that. You said you got five brothers. Did any of your other brothers uh, have to end up serving? Uh, let's see. Matter of fact, all of my brothers wound up having to serve at some time in the military. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. A couple volunteered. A couple were drafted. Mm-hmm. They did their military service. <laughs> okay. Because I thought that it was also one of those things where, and I guess this is just, you know, what you hear. But, like, if a if a mother has a certain number of sons, like, I thought the young son, the youngest son would not. But I guess that's if they're all, if the other, like, if your other four brothers are all active in duty in combat, then I guess the, the youngest brother is okay. Uh, we were far enough 
part an age group where it didn't even that make didn't a matter. No, yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah. your other brother was in Korea. It was like, hey, hey, get over here. You able body, right? You're able body young man. Yes, like I tell people, it was I was I was talking to, I was talking to a kid that uh, seventeen year old, uh, a seventeen year old the last year about the selective service. And I'm right. serious. It's like yeah, fill that paperwork out, man. And they're like, everybody got to do that? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Feel that paperwork out. I enjoyed it because after I got assigned to the company, a company of about uh, 240, and I was the uh, company clerk, mm-hmm. and my commander, the captain, he, he said, you're off You're off on the weekends. You can do what you want to do. What were you doing on those weekends? On the weekends, I would go to Seattle and pl- get with the... Uh, other i would play in some of the clubs in seattle okay was yeah. was quincy jones still coming active in the scene then i know he was i know he made it but i know he's from there so like was he coming back to seattle often in that jazz scene i wasn't paying any attention okay you were just like hey I, I yeah, i'm know. doing my thing yeah yeah it's like quincy's doing his thing another another gla- great man with brass that a lot of people don't know um okay all right so so what was that like, uh, being being there in North Northwest, the Pacific Northwest? Uh, contrary to Detroit, that's a, like a whole different feel culturally and everything. When they built that that steeple there in Seattle, mm-hmm. I, I was in in the area when they built it. Mm. Yeah, it was it was, and I'd go up there occasionally. Mm. It was good to see. Okay. Uh, Okay. What uh what about just the the social life? Uh what was it like dating? What was it like interacting with people in Seattle like uh, cuz I know it's just so different than Detroit. Hey, it's you know, you you do the same thing. You do the same thing. <laughs> You're hanging out. Right. I got you. So, after after your military service, what did you end up doing? Well, after military service, I came back to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And uh I uh, one of the first things or the easiest thing I said well let me see what am I going to do now one of the easiest thing was you can get a job at the post office because you're military mm-hmm. former military Yeah. so I I went and applied to the post office and got hired within a month Okay. and you know passed all the stuff went. so I worked at the post office until the 1967 riots. Were you a carrier for the post office, or what were you doing? No, I was a, I was a mail processor. Okay. Matter All of right. fact, back then you would be sitting there at a, at a bench sorting mail, mm-hmm. or they even had the machines. I was a machine operator too. You sit there and you key the letters as you see them, and they mm-hmm. had a machine that. But I was a Florida Canada clerk. Mm-hmm. I would sit at the station Florida and Canada. And mm-hmm. <laughs> And dispatch it too for it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Okay, it was cool. It was cool. And then the 1967 riots came up, mm-hmm. and I was recruited by Chrysler Corporation because they needed they needed to get some more of us into the workplace there. Yeah, yeah. After that, yeah, <laughs> because yeah, we got to get some black people in here. That, that that's makes, what was happening. Yeah, hey, hey. And the real. funny thing about it was. I was being interviewed for the job, and there must have been at least what what job 
for a foreman. Mm -hmm. And there were at least 10 of us in the, in the room interviewing for that job. Mm -hmm. And I was the only one of us in that room. And I said to myself, oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's like you and nine white guys. This so, doesn't even seem like it's a, it's a fair shot. So at lunchtime, after we took all, wrote every, signed up everything and mm -hmm. took whatever we needed to do, they sent everybody to lunch. Mm -hmm. And uh, he told me, oh, come back when you finish eating. I said, oh, you're getting ready to tell me something now. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Because he didn't say nothing to nobody else. <laughs> mm -hmm. When I came back, bingo, you're hired. Hmm. How long did you stay at Chrysler? I stayed at Chrysler for, uh, oh, 15 years. Mm. 14 or 15 years. Okay. Because they, since I'd never been an in industrial employee, they put me for 90 days. I had to go on the line. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you didn't really have a lot of experience in that. But you did understand machines because the bowling alley, yeah, right. the post office. So to know what I was doing, they put me on the line mm -hmm. to, to actually do it, too, with, with the crew. Mm -hmm. So I, I enjoyed it. So it was supposed to be for 90 days, but after 60 days, they came and got me and said, okay, we ready. Mm -hmm. You ready for what? You, we're ready to take you over and you start. <laughs> so I became a line foreman. Uh, Which plant? At the uh, eight mile, eight mile mound. Eight mile a mound. Eight mile a mound. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Still, still pumping today. That's, uh, <laughs> anybody that knows, they drive down eight mile going east at a particular time. You're gonna be mad because that plant right there will have a train. <laughs> have you at? <laughs> Have you had a railroad crossing for about 30 minutes? You'd be like, ah! I and then, hate the east side. <laughs> and then after about, after I'd been a foreman for about four years, mm -hmm. uh, his name was Austin. He worked for Chrysler Learning. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, Secretary of State's Austin's uh, grandson, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he would see me as a foreman working. He, I like what you're doing. We we got to know each other, and he said, "Hey, I'm gonna recommend you to my boss. To you come over and work with us on the learning." Mm -hmm. So he got me hired over there, and I, you know, where we were teaching welding, and uh, first the kids would come in, kids or adults, whatnot, mm -hmm. give them classroom education on certain if they didn't know this or that or the other would find out because they would be finding out what they know mm -hmm. and so we had teachers that would give them certain instruction and then we'd find out what kind of crafts were they interested in okay now when you say chrysler learning we kind of got to go back to the root of this so at one point in time, Chrysler had its own educational facilities for people that have been hired in to expand their knowledge base or to uh, just give them skills so that they can continue to work in Chrysler. So was it like one of those things where it's like, we'll teach you, but we're teaching you so you can be a better employee? Or was it like, we'll just teach you what you want to know? What happened is after the 1967 riots, mm -hmm. Lynn Townsend, who was the chairman of the board, went to Washington, D.C., and got them to 
to give some millions of dollars to Chrysler mm-hmm. to to open up the Chrysler Learning facilities that they did. Okay, so it was a uh, it was based it was subsidized by the government this Chrysler Learning facility. Where was it at? Well, they had it they had over they had a lot of facilities facilities. They had a LeMay training center for the mm-hmm. for the school for the kids to come in or the adults to get classroom training. They had LeMay Center and then they had the Hoover Road Industrial Center where they had certain, you know, welding or certain other mm-hmm. so it had several sites. They had Holland Park Center and so it quite a quite a few places. Okay. Doing a lot of stuff. And you were working with uh what center did you work with? I worked out of the uh, LeMay Center and Hoover because I was one of the uh, we were doing after they graduated mm-hmm. we were communicating with the businesses around the metropolitan area mm-hmm. and we would get jobs for them okay so they didn't even necessarily have to end up working for Chrysler yeah so it was it was really like a, a vocational right vocational school subsidized by the government led by Chrysler some would stay at Chrysler okay. and some would but by the, the time that I was with them for about it seems like a lot of people would be going through that program thinking like I know I'm going to get a job at Chrysler <laughs> when I'm done with this cuz it's a Chrysler school See, I know that's what I'd be thinking once they became when they got the trade that they were going to fill, mm-hmm. some of them would earn more money going into another facility than Chrysler. Okay. So it was good for them. It was okay. good and good. We we placed about, in the period of time, about 50,000 people into different mm-hmm. classifications. Okay. How long did you do that? For about 10 years. Okay. So mm-hmm. that was really your first four years were forming, and then the other 10 years were working in that school. So in that school. was your first right. taste of interacting with education. That's right. That's Ain't right. That because I saw what was happening out in the streets, mm-hmm. that too many were on a pipeline to prison. Yeah, the, the streets are hiring. Because the I schools agree. were not tra- giving them good training. They were not giving them... Good art, music, science, vocational. Hmm. What what years were this? Because we, I, I always hear these uh, the glory stories of like what existed with like I'm a Northwestern graduate of what was at Northwestern in the '60s. What what years was this? Well, that was the same thing that uh, the same things that Dr. Martin Luther King was talking about. He was talking about the crisis in education mm-hmm. and that there was so much. Discrimination at that time. I agree, but you realize it's also a narrative of like the 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 romanticizing of what DPS was in that era. So even then, it was still supplemental resources that were needed to assist. And really, I think the number one thing that you all did was you all had a specific job placement center so that now the students can be placed into jobs right with the skill mm-hmm. sets because maybe even that job placement center should just be 
applicable to every school everywhere and then it can provide those resources that some of these other systems could provide right mm-hmm. okay that's why when when i got elected to the board of education and back back in the 1970s 1974 i believe mm-hmm. and one of the first things busing was an issue then mm-hmm. busing and while busing was finalized, I was the legislative chairperson. I would work with the legislators, and I encouraged them to to uh, to get vocational centers for Detroit. Okay, so I didn't know that you were on the school board even in the seventies as well. I thought your yeah. your recent run was so you ten years on the board, ten years in the seventies. Yeah. So during that time that you were on the school board and leaving Chrysler, what what were you doing at the time? Well, what I had uh, see at Chrysler, I was making good money. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, 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 I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that the Chry- Chrysler was not interested in actually opening up schools, but that money probably incentivized them, so they needed to incentivize their team. My brother was a principal at Coffee Middle School at that time. Coffee Middle School. I have never even heard of it. Where is Coffee? Coffee is is uh, between Greenfield and Southfield, okay. and it's probably closed now. It's just off of is north of Seven Mile. It may have been closed by now. Okay, so basically that Henry Ford High School area, sort of. Back in there, yeah, okay. back in yeah, there. Yeah. And uh, I encouraged him and to. Uh, I was on the board, and I said, "Our kids need." places to go for good, safe, wholesome recreation. Mm-hmm. So we opened up the first roller skating center hmm. on West Warren and Central. West Warren, oh man. You know I went to Northwestern, so, oh man. <laughs> West Warren and Central. It used, to a, be, uh, it used to be a bowling alley. That's a, yeah. And we converted it to a roller skating. That's a colorful community right now. Hey. <laughs> Colorful, <laughs> very colorful. And the good thing about it, we across the street was a vacant bar, mm-hmm. so I communicated with those owners, mm-hmm. got my uh, liquor license, and we we bought the bar, hmm. so parents could come drop the kids off to roller skate or whatever. Yeah, and it's like go across the street, go get across. yourself a glass of cabasia. <laughs> And we had a pool table in there. It's like, man, so, I can do backwards. Like, so yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And then later on, say about 1979, we had a roller skating rink came in from Ohio to Detroit. Mm-hmm. They had several rinks across the country. Okay. So they had their. So they were franchising roller skating rinks. I yeah, never even knew yeah, it was a roller skating right. franchise. Right now, it's it's, it's like uh, in the bowling alley world, it's taking off with like the neon lights and they call it like um, good bowling. I'm pretty sure somebody's going to add that same field of roller skating soon or whatever. <laughs> like nightlife, <laughs> nightlife roller skating, you know, you know. The thing is, we, we, uh, the, this company had opened up roller skating there on 8 Mile and Myers. Mm-hmm. And they were only, had only been there for a couple of years. 
but they didn't have good management there. Mm-hmm. They were out of town, and they found out that the manager there, some of the money was not being... <laughs> hey, you... Let me let me tell this to everybody in business. Nobody has love for your business like you do. So I'm not necessarily saying that that means that they will steal. But it definitely means that it's hard to do business and conduct business uh, with people that don't really have a vested interest in what it is. And it, it's difficult to even tell what that is. And you sometimes will lose money from your register in finding out whether a person really cares about your grander vision or not. See, the cash money coming into a, a business like that, the manager had the opportunity of only putting so much in the register. Uh, well, I mean, as we see, if 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 it's something worth stealing, it's, it's certain people <laughs> feeling out how to steal it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, that's a, that's a story as old as time. Because at that location, they had a... They could put a thousand people in the, in the building, mm-hmm. and sometimes they would put a thousand in there because yeah. it, it, well, kids were in, into roller skating. Great, yeah. because and then also you may have a turnover too. So like, one kid comes from eleven to one, and another kid comes from one to three. You know right. what I mean? So as you say, that thousand that can be a moving thousand. Had a lot of programs there. Well, no, that could be a thousand in there at one time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that thousand uh-huh. may turn over. And one day, that thousand that's there may turn over four or five times. I, I enjoyed it so much that we had the uh, opportunity of working with a lot of good people. A lot of, uh, a lot of disc jockeys mm-hmm. would come there with their venues. Hmm. And uh, the late Doc Elliott, he was a hmm. good friend of mine. And, wow, uh, Doc Elliott. Yes. I heard that. <laughs> In a minute, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> right, talented, talented. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, there was just so many good friendships I, I acquired in the industry, and uh, and while doing that, even uh, uh, God's World Records, mm-hmm. I mean God's World Music mm-hmm. store that's on Seven Mile. Yeah, he used to give a gospel skating party every Thursday. And some of the new gospel artists, mm-hmm. that's how they would get there. Ain't that something? Yes. You'd be like, ain't that CC one is over there? <laughs> they would be Hitting there. The twirl. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like Dorinda Clark over there getting down. So <laughs> it it was it was a good place for them to mm. get seen mm. and 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 to be shaking hands with a lot of people. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about. That leading into buying Northland, I'm guessing, because that just naturally led right into that. When did you when did you get the space? When did you renovate it? When did you open doors? Well, as as we continued to the venue at, at uh, we called it Wheels in, and uh, we'd been there from 1979 to the early 80s. And that's the one on uh, over in by Northwestern on Central and um, no 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 that's, West Warren. This is the wheels eight mile and eight mile and Myers eight mile and Myers. So right after the after the guy left, they basically said, "Hey, we need you guys to run our operation." And that's right. You all stepped right in and did it the right way because they knew you. we were we were running the rink yeah. on West Warren and Central. Okay, so they came and 
and got us. They made you an offer. You made can't us refuse. an offer. We, hey, we we ready. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got you. And the same thing happened at Northland hmm. because the. Uh, I don't generally say it too often, but the two owners of Northland, mm-hmm. one one of them built a new facility in Farmington. Mm-hmm. And so he didn't spend as much time at Northland. Yeah. So I think he became a little bit he, he became just less interested. It's like it's like yeah. having two girlfriends. Yeah. The new one sometimes gets a little bit more attention. And he was a little less interested and also mm-hmm. he was always concerned about the money flowing. And maybe he might have thought that it wasn't flowing the way he thought it should. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to to sell. Yeah. So we made an offer, and we had already gone down to uh, SBA. Mm-hmm. We had written a good proposal. Wow. Wow. And in less than 90 days, we had closed the deal on a million-dollar purchase. Congratulations. Yes, That's big. Indeed. That's big. So during this whole time, were you on the school board still? No, I wasn't on the school board then because I was had. You had uh, had yeah. all that business that you were taking care of. Yeah, and so I I served ten years on the board though. Okay, so uh, also during this time, what what's happening with family? Where, did you get married? You having children? Um, you 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 you're taking care of your mom, your dad. Like what's happening with family life? No, while I was in military service, mm-hmm. I came back home and the lady I was seeing, mm-hmm. we got. We went down. I came on on military leave, mm-hmm. just visit, visiting, and had the purpose in coming home. We went downtown before the judge and got married. <laughs> okay, how how did you? Okay, okay, all right. How did you propose to her? Did you just send her a letter? Did you send her a letter and say, "Look, it's time to get married"? Like, how did you propose? Well, we had been we had been communicating from letters. Mm-hmm. And the communication was that we're ready. Huh. And so I, I, I said, I'm coming home. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm on vacation. Mm-hmm. We can do it. <laughs> Ain't that something? And that's okay. what we did. And then we we went back to to the base. And mm-hmm. and was she from Detroit or was she from uh, Seattle? She like was from Pen- she was from Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. She was from Pennsylvania. Right. So how did uh so how did she like Detroit when she moved here? Well, uh she was from a she enjoyed it here mm-hmm. because she was from a small town called Brownsville. Brownsville, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, small country town, I would okay. say. And she had a brother here. Okay. And uh matter of fact, her brother was married to my sister. Ain't that something? <laughs> so so I married his sister. <laughs> that's a that's a weird. That's a that, that that has to talk about some talk about a conversation for you. Right. Those are some interesting Thanksgivings. Interesting com, interesting right. Thanksgivings. All right. So um, so as that's happening, like now you're in business and, right. and you're you're full swing in business and everything. Yeah. What else is happening with family? Like how are they responding to? So this journey is Herman Davis, the entrepreneur. What's happening? We, I always felt that it, you always involve your family in your business. 
Okay. So they were all a part of it. Okay. Part of it. So what roles did they play and who was playing what? Well, my wife, she was generally the person that hit cashier at the window. Hey, it's, <laughs> it's good to, it's good to, it's, oh man, oh man. It, it, it may happen to me one day, but definitely. If I get married, yes, yes. My, my future wife will be on the money. I'm with that. I'm with so, that thought. So we had the the DJs and we had the coat check people and we had so the, the DJs were like what your nephews like who who was the DJs your nieces well friends friends, oh, friends that were friends. Okay. that were in the music because you know I uh, I was kind of associated with a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, record people and uh, because I had been doing that music even mm-hmm. before that so uh, a lot of the DJs this would give him give them visibility too. Yeah. So a lot of DJs come do the parties, mm-hmm. and I have floor guards and and different game rooms and whatnot. It was a forty three thousand square feet building mm-hmm. with many many different activities. Okay, and uh, with with something like that in Detroit, uh, how how. You were already in the business, and, right. and it was already going. But what were some of the things you were doing to get the crowd to interact with people, just to keep the word out about you know this is where you need to come and roller skate? Well, we had that's why I communicated a lot, a lot with the with the uh, radio stations mm-hmm. and TV sixty two at the time, uh, and we had a we had a TV, we had a uh, weekly television show too. Oh, okay. Yeah. For real, I never knew that. Yeah, a weekly, a television, weekly television show. show. It, was, it was it called Northland or what was it? It was called? Northland. Yeah. Okay, and, and uh, Channel Sixty Two. What was happening on the show weekly? Well, we'd have, we'd have them showing people out there doing their thing on the floor and whatnot. And, oh yeah, that was, and I would I would be on the mic. I would be on the telling people, "Hey, come on out to Northland Roller Ring. This is the place you got to be because all your friends are here." I'm with it. I'm with I'm it. I'm getting excited. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, um, and and with that whole feel, uh, the roller skating, the people connecting with it, you met a lot of people because so many people have walked through those doors. Is it such an iconic place? Uh, even more so than I was hearing about an amusement park that wasn't that far, like down the street, like on Berg and like Seven Mile or whatever, that had like a roller coaster or whatever. But I was just interviewing a friend about Northland and what it meant like as like just one of the biggest landmarks in the city of Detroit for so long. Um, keeping that going and then interacting with some of the people, um, what what was the response that you were getting uh, back from all of the guests that were coming consistently? They were, they were gratified that they had the opportunity to come out and enjoy themselves. Matter of fact, I even see a lot of people today that tell me, you know, I met my wife at your place and I thank you. And I mm. see the woman and say, I met my husband at your mm. place. And to this day, I haven't had one person to say, you know, I met that woman at your place. <laughs> I haven't had one person to say that to me. Hilarious. And so I always felt that it was a good place for folks to socialize and Meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So socialize and meet and greet. Uh, what was the uh, how how long were you guys operating? How long did you all operate it as a family? Ah, uh, 
I guess from 19, from 19, 1986 to about 2005 or somewhere around there. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So almost like 20 years, basically. Yeah. yeah. 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. During yeah. that 20 years, that did you... Did you start noticing some of the changes as Detroit was, you know, during those 20 years as Detroit went through a lot of changes? Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of things were happening. Yeah, you guys lasted longer than Northland the Mall. See, the thing is, we we always had communication with organization and people. Mm-hmm. And we always made it a family-friendly operation that folks, if they didn't have anything else to do, mm-hmm. they knew we can go to Northland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they knew we can go to Northland. Because mm-hmm. I kept that in their in their plan. And as you talk about being in their plan, uh, more so than anything, you've hired a lot of young people over the years. You gave a lot of people their start, uh, giving opportunity, so forth and so on. Uh, and, and 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 it's challenges that we deal with with our people in our community uh, as far as getting job readiness, uh, being prepared to deliver on tasks that are professional and build on customer service that you spoke to. What is it that when you're when you were interviewing so many young, young people to get some of the best from them? Uh, what what did you apply? I always I always inter interfaced with the students the same uh, training philosophies that we did at Chrysler Learning. Mm-hmm. Provide them with the opportunity to see what things they can do and encourage them to move forward and do it if they can. Mm-hmm. And I always talk to a lot of the kids that came through there and encourage them, hey, if you, if you like doing this, hey, no reason you're not doing it. <laughs> And I always tried to get them to to stay on an upbeat. Don't mm-hmm. don't let anything get you down, mm-hmm. because you you're the worst person to yourself when you let that happen. Mm. Because stay on the upbeat and friend people and learn to associate well. Mm-hmm. And hey, it works. So with that, in this connection between working with young people in education and then providing opportunity has been years in the making for you. That's right. Uh, even even when you were the youngest on the farm working with your brothers and sisters. That's right. <laughs> um, what do you think can can build more of these opportunities for young people in Detroit today? See, I see now that and we still, with some organizations, we still talk about what's happening because when they took the art, music, science, athletic, and and technical education out of the schools, then it leaves the kids with nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they graduate, they haven't got many resources to fall back on because they haven't been trained. So those are some things that I keep telling folks, say, hey, we got to get back into that, and that's why I'm hoping that some things will happen uh, this year <laughs> mm-hmm. that will light the bulb and get things back rolling. Mm-hmm. 
I got you. Yeah. Back rolling. <laughs> Back rolling. All right. So uh, the next question that I got to ask is just definitely for everybody listening. You still roller skate now to this day? I get out there occasionally. Okay. And I say occasionally because I'm so busy doing so many things in the community. Mm-hmm. Because I want to see people progress. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to lift a hand for those that need me to help them get up. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to to uh, provide services for the seniors, mm-hmm. to provide food for the hungry. Because even with the organization that we have, the association, we're looking to open up a food pantry for the, for the needed. And we hope to have that done within the next 12, 24 months. Okay, cool. So we're, we're looking, we've, we've got, there are 11 purposes to our association. And they go all the way from, from health services. And you can share. It's the Cherry Lawn Block Club Association. And you, you're, you're a member of it and you're, you're president of it right now. Yes, yes, so. yes. <laughs> member and leader. I was going to get to that. But, uh, but it's definitely one of service. Definitely one of service. Yeah, I feel it's needed. And because I see some things that need to be in, entrenched. Okay. And we need to do some things to make it work. Okay. Uh, your your brothers and sisters, what did they end up doing? I know you mentioned one sister in Hawaii, but uh, what did your brothers and sisters end up doing? Well, the sad part about it is as time passes. They pass. Folks pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one sister in Hawaii, though. So that's that's a good trip. Every one sister again. in Hawaii, and I've got another sister that's here that's retired. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so, and then did you have any uh, children of yourself for yourself? I have two two girls. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Did, girls. did they stay in the Detroit area? I have one daughter that's here, mm-hmm. and uh, one daughter that's living in Texas. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of opportunity out in Texas. Well, what happened is when the uh, day was the one. I'm trying to think of the name of that uh, legal firm that came in here and bankrupt the city. Oh yeah, yeah, with um, Kevin Orr. I forget that. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, what was? Uh, yeah. What was the? But basically, the the law firm that's uh, Day, associated I think, with I think, uh, Governor Snyder. Yeah. Yeah, Day mm-hmm. was part of the name Day something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when that law firm came in, they messed up some of the. A lot of people's pensions, a lot of people's pensions, yeah. A lot of people's uh, contracts to the city, basically. It, it, so what happened yeah. is, my daughter, she was the, she worked for the police payroll, mm. and she had been there long enough to take her retirement, mm-hmm. because what the what they had in the new new arrangements that they made mm-hmm. was that you can retire now yeah or if you stayed longer you would lose these yeah so she t- re- dad re- decided to retire mm-hmm. and she left and went to went to uh texas, to texas. yeah that's uh yeah that that whole 
that whole situation and the way that it was handled, especially being that the city council could have filed for bankruptcy independently without hiring the one Jones of the most expensive, Day. Yeah, Jones Day was the yeah. legal firm, one of the most expensive law firms in the world. To, and to they did some of the most incredible unprofessional unethical and yes. illegal things ever but that's right when you do that to a city full of a lot of poor people that are black people then you know nobody really that's cares. right yeah. she went to san antonio texas and uh, thank god she within six months to a year she was hired in with the same job that she was doing wow. here she was in charge of police payroll Yep. Yeah, I, I don't think. Yeah, Texas is uh, Texas is a different type of state, but um, you know, it's very a lot of these cities with a lot of poor people, a lot of black people. You know, the the way the the games that are being played is. Yes, indeed. I was thankful that she wasn't in Houston because they had that Houston yeah. had that hurricane and mm -hmm. a lot of folks died out of that and, yeah. and uh, floods and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But she said, no, it didn't touch us. I said, oh, thank, thank God. It, so I know they grew up roller skating their whole life. Oh, do, yeah. Do they, still, do they still roller skate or you don't even know? I really don't know uh -huh. because I'm so busy With doing my own this. thing. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, all right. Well, I'm going to ask you as we get into a little bit of overtime, some classic Detroit is different questions. But before I get to that, what what else is new? What uh, what should the people know about you? How can they support your uh, Black Club Association? How do they connect? Well, what we're doing is we're encouraging some people that are involved with grant writing. Mm -hmm. We'd like them to contact us because we're in, we are bringing in grant writers and we will be setting up some method of, of uh, uh, payment mm -hmm. that we can, can make successful for some grant writers to achieve. So that's what we're trying to do because we've got a we've got a list of things that we're trying to accomplish, and those purposes. Even we've got a pilot security program that we're going to hopefully get accomplished this year. Mm -hmm. We've got some video surveillance cameras to put up and provide a secure. What what we call it? Uh, safe routes to school for kids. Okay. So we're looking to accomplish some of that in the very near future, and we need volunteers to come in, and we need chairpersons to lead certain committees and everything. committees, mm -hmm. and because we want to get it off the ground and rolling. Okay. So a lot a lot to be done. Okay. All right, so definitely support Cherry Lime Block Club Association, and I'm going to be seeing Mr. Davis a whole lot uh, in in the work. But we we'll be talking. We'll talk right. offline. Okay. Uh, you you attended the the grant writing workshop that I was teaching uh, through Live Six at Detroit SIP not too long ago. So we'll we'll connect because they have some buildings that's vacant in the in the, in the uh, area. immediate area mm -hmm. that we're going to be looking to make some offers. Mm -hmm. And hopefully those offers can can come to fruition. And right. Because since we've got that nonprofit status, that allows certain corporations to write it off their taxes. If they're paying that kind of mm -hmm. money anyway, 
and some of the buildings that that are vacant that I've been looking at, apparently they're still paying the taxes on them. Yeah. So there are some possibilities out there, and I'm gonna, I'm eager to make it happen. I'm with it. I'm hey. with it. <laughs> so as you use your phrase, uh, keeping it rolling. Yes. I, I got the classic Detroit is different questions for you. Starting with one, your very first car. What what car was your very first car? My very first car was a Chevrolet, I believe. What type? It was a, uh, I can't remember. I, I bought one to drive back and forth when I got the job, when I was still work, well, I was still in school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got that job at the uh, bowling, alley. bowling alley. So you basically would drive from school, from home to the bowling alley. From home to bowling alley, right. Or, well, really, it'd be probably like home, school, bowling alley, back home, school, bowling alley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, if you're, you're a DJ, it's the end of the Detroit fireworks, and you're at Woodward and Jefferson. What three songs are you playing? Do what now? You're a DJ. It's the end of the fireworks for Detroit, and you get to play three songs for the crowd. What three songs would you play? Oh. <laughs> hey, there are. I have to pass on that. Oh, man, I wanted I have to, to get pass so loud. Ow. <laughs> you you got to pick some songs, Mr. Davis. As many, as many songs as you, you, you got the record collection and. Come out with some stuff. You gotta, you gotta throw me some stuff. You mentioned Satchmo, so you can at least pick something from Louis. See, there's there there's so many. That's that's why there, there's such a mm-hmm. an array of there's so many good artists mm-hmm. because you know I I always think of Marvin Gaye too. Okay, Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye, who sang the national anthem just unbelievably well. Yep. And uh you know, you've got the a lot of late artists that their music will go on and on. Even mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, some of his music was just yeah, phenomenal because certain records you put on and everybody or most of the people would get out on the floor because they loved moving the, to the to the sound. Okay. And it's just just a lot of artists that just unbelievable. So many good songs. Well, you got you got to give me something. Give me one. Uh, one song. I can't even think of think of the name of the song now. Wow. I, I know my music. Who you know the artist or how does it go sort of? Uh, I was trying to think of Barry Barry White. Okay. Barry White has some had some good music too. And and Barry White just so many were they just loved his music. Mm-hmm. Loved his music. And uh let's see. If I played Barry White for Detroit, I would play I probably played a song with, uh, you know, it doesn't even have lyrics. You know, the the Love Unlimited Orchestra, when he did the orchestra piece, 
Love Unlimited. Oh, okay. I probably play that. I mean, I guess you got uh, Never Gonna Give You Up because hey. I know I'm never giving up the <laughs> <Right>. trade. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Temptations. Oh, they were phenomenal. Oh yeah, yeah. Temptations I mean, and just the Four Tops. It was just so much good music, so much, and just song after song, just mm-hmm. just an, a vast array of music. And since you mentioned Satchmo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's uh, a lot of history. I would play, okay, I mean, it's, it's like with, with artists like Louis Armstrong and with some of those very classic jazz musicians, other than the stuff that I have from Duke Ellington, it's hard to even capture which recording. It's like James Brown. It's so many right. different That's recordings right. just, of it. Just so a host I, of them. But I would definitely take, um, you know, one of those Satchmo uh, versions of, you know, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. That's probably what I would play if I was going to play him. And I think one of his best recordings of it, it was a, this is later on in his life. It was, it, he went back to New Orleans to do a live concert. And um, and that was one of the best times I think he captured it. Because it was after he did What a Wonderful World and he wasn't really wanting to perform right. that But, but yeah, you know. Which artist was that that had the song out, Never Gonna Give You Up? Da, 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 uh, da, never gonna give you up. That's uh, that's Barry. Yeah, <laughs> right. never gonna give you up. Never ever gonna stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> the way I feel about you. <laughs> well, de- most definitely, most definitely, this was fun. Uh, the very last question: If you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? Oh, there's so many. I can't touch one person. Mm-hmm. There's so many good people that fit. It's hard. Because I knew so many good people. Mm-hmm. You know, Doc Elliott. He was. We can go with that. <laughs> we can go with that. Like I said, I haven't heard the name Doc Elliot raised in a while. Doc Elliot was smooth and cool and laid out a lot of yes, stuff. I he think did. most people, when they think about classic Detroit DJs, everybody always goes to Mojo. Yeah. But uh, Doc Elliot was. Yes, indeed. Legend. Mm-hmm. Legend, legend, legend. Like yes, up there, indeed. like Martha Jean, the Queen. You right. Know? Legend, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Davis. Thank you so much. I'm yeah. gonna definitely uh, always know you more than welcome to come back. Fantastic. But, I enjoyed. Uh, this was fun. Thanks. I enjoy. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories, never before told in any other media outlets. On Detroit is different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.